here's news for us. I may put this up front at the news section. Uh, Shellheads, along with Reality Breached and all of our sister podcasts, are now available on Pandora. Ho! And iHeartRadio. Hey, now. So if either of those are your uh, podcast listening apps of choice, it got a lot easier to listen to our shows on those apps. Nice. So so check us out. That's Pandora and iHeartRadio. I would assume you just find us by searching. Search Shellheads or Reality Breached or any of our other sister casts. Yeah. a brand new episode of Shellheads, a TMNT podcast. Uh, I am half of your hosting team, Sergio, in front of me, physically in front of me, the other half of your hosting team, Jeff Hub. Or, I'm sorry, Jeff Hubbard. How's it been? It's been pretty good. It's been been two weeks. It's a good two weeks. Good two weeks. Um, we We have stuff coming up. Yeah. We have a lot of news to talk about today. We do. Uh, some some bigger than others. We have a, a cool kind of uh, kind of retro topic to talk about mm-hmm. as our main topic, mm-hmm. and it's not really something that a lot of people have read. Yeah. So I'm kind of really excited to get in get into that. But but before we can get into that, Jeff, uh, let's talk about Comic Con. Okay. So Comic Con's coming up. What uh, two weeks from now? Two weeks. Two weeks. And uh, what what are you going to be doing for Comic Con? Well, Sergio, I'm going to be on the Shellheads podcast panel with you. Really? Yeah. Well, I would hope so. You're yeah. the other host. Yeah. Uh, without you, just me yelling mean things at people in the crowd. Right. I w- no, you're wrong. I would legit like buy a ticket for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's uh, worth the price of admission, right there. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So we have a we have a panel. We're going to be talking about the history and future of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, mm-hmm. or more specifically, the evolution, like how yeah. things got from one uh, iteration to the next. And 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 basically, I plan on outlining our three phases uh, template. I'm hoping I'm hoping it like catches on. I'm expecting a spreadsheet of D- sorts, dude. I, they might have a projector. I might. <laughs> I don't know. We might be able to hook that up. I don't know. Um, but if you're in the Jackson area and you plan on attending the Mississippi Comic Con uh, at the Trademark downtown, check us out. We're going to be the first panel in panel room two Ooh. on Saturday. And what day? What day is it? The twenty? What this? Mm, to the phones. The twenty sixth. Yes. Yeah. Eleven a. Eleven thirty a.m. We we had a really terrible sc- scheduling snafu, where the Shellheads podcast uh, panel was originally scheduled during Judith Hogue and Ernie 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 Reyes. Ernie Reyes. Ernie Reyes Junior. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they have a panel, and ours was going to be like right as theirs started. Oh, that's a big no no. And as much as I've. You know, I, I'm fine missing their panel just because, you know, I'm, I'm the producer of a panel. I can miss someone else's. Right. I don't want to ask 
Turtles fans would be like, no, no, don't go to the famous person's panel. Yeah. Come to ours. Yeah. We're important. So we fixed that. That's no longer a scheduling issue. Uh, so, 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 so join us there. You have two weeks to plan. I think it's what, 20 bucks to get in or something? Or like 25, I think. I, I don't know. But, something like that. Uh, th- there is going to be a lot of other Turtles stuff for you to watch and meet and, and interact with. So it's, it's, it's a very Turtles friendly con this year. Yeah. More so than usual. Yeah. So what's our first segment, Jeff? It's time to see what's in Sergio's box. That's right. Uh, you'll remember last time uh, we talked about me visiting um, my buddy Daniel in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And there was one piece, one really cool piece that I got at that comic shop that I forgot to talk about last time. Ooh. And it's a it's a San Diego comic art gallery, Kevin Eastman exhibition collection. Snazzy. So it's and it's it's published by IDW. It's 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 like a big trade paperback sized thing, and I would say ninety ninety percent ninety five percent of it is just art pieces mm-hmm. that has that were drawn by uh, Kevin Eastman over the years, and it's it's cool. It's got like a front piece by the man himself, a bunch of cool, r- very uh, important turtles art. Mm-hmm. You know, like really early drawings of of the Shredder and the turtles and stuff and. It's it's not exclusive to the turtles, I don't believe. I think towards the end it gets into some of his heavy metal stuff. I could be wrong though. No, it's mostly just turtle stuff actually, yeah. which is surprising because Kevin Eastman is more than just the turtles guy. Yeah, but I would imagine that would be like you know some more copyright stuff they got to you know go through. Hey, we need to show uh, some TNA in this. That's turtles true. Book, you, you might know. be right. You might be right. But here I'm gonna hand it. I'm gonna hand it across the table to uh-huh. Jeff, and he's gonna check it out. It's a cool little book, and what's crazy is I walked into this comic shop not knowing it existed. I'm not the guy who doesn't know stuff exists. It, it depending on the topic. That's well, yeah, turtle stuff. Turtle stuff. I know if it exists right. typically. So right. seeing this thing sitting on a shelf in the wild and not knowing that IDW published it was it, it was shocking, and I had to buy it immediately. Oh wow, the animation cells. That's dope. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a cool little book and it if you can't read, it's perfect for you too. Yeah. Cuz it's all just pictures. I don't I don't know if that's a positive remark, but it's a remark either way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh the other thing that's in Sergio's box actually came in the mail. Mm-hmm. Uh and it's kind of dumb. Actually super dumb. Mhm. Uh, are you familiar with the 8-bit pop figures? I am. So, the, the Turtles did an entire run of 8-bit pop figures, where you had the, the four Turtles, the Shredder, and a Foot Soldier. I think those were the only ones that were released. Yeah. They had some you know variants, different colors. But for some reason, Funko decided to make the Foot Soldier the chase figure. Of, of the set. I don't know if it's considered a chase. Ch- like, the definition of chase figure is always... Subjective. Yeah. Well, like, what does that mean? Yeah. But whatever. And... You have to chase it. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> Wise words. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, the Foot Soldier 8-bit pop figure was limited to 500 pieces per color of Foot Soldier. Mm-hmm. 
and it was a New York Comic Con exclusive. So you cannot find these things for any less than like 150, 160 dollars on eBay. Mm-hmm. And sellers know what they have, so right. don't try to lowball me, man. The pop people are just prolific with you know cuz I I would, you know, going out and then searching for these, you know, things from time to time. Of course, I've calmed down way uh, <laughs> since then of my pop collecting. Uh, I'll get a few here and there. Um you'd always have you'd always run into the same people. You know, and I can mm-hmm. swear to you that I saw those on the shelf at GameStop. I could be wrong. It could have been just the regular one and not the right. You know, but who I could, if I'd known then, I would have snagged all of them. Yeah, yeah. Like when I when I when I first was collecting the the eight bit ones, I was like, okay, these seem cool. And then I saw the prices on the the, the this specific one. I'm like, there's no way. There's yeah. no way. You gave me one too. Not the foot soldier. No, yeah, not yeah, a, I, yeah. I gave you one because it was you know like eight bucks or whatever. Yeah. It was it was no big deal. Yeah, um, I think it was an extra. Yeah, it was. I actually found it at like a Ross or something. But I finally tracked down a foot soldier for a price I was willing to pay, which was like a hundred bucks. It's like a hundred bucks. But I got the purple foot soldier, so I didn't have to compromise and go with like a yellow one or a red one or some color that I didn't actually want. Right. Light blue, orange. Right. I got got the canonical purple. Yeah. Uh, And that... And that rounds out that like outside of stupid color variants here and there and like glow in the dark Michelangelo. Ooh. I have all of the all of the molds. Nice. Of the Ninja Turtle pop figures. And I feel great. You should. I don't hate myself at all. It's a little bit. I no. I I feel great. <laughs> Well, I will say that it does feel good to like if you're missing a piece or if it's like, oh, I, that's just the last one that I freaking need. You know, I know that pain. Mm-hmm. I know that pain. Oh, yeah. I, I recently did the exact same thing with my Back to the Future pop collection. Mm-hmm. I finally got uh, Marty McFly playing guitar, mm-hmm. which was like a Canadian con exclusive or whatever, only to find out. Four days later, that they made a Conan O'Brien dressed as Marty McFly figure. So now I have to get that. Oh man, the audacity! <sighs> Thanks, Funko. Thanks, Conan. So I, that's really all that's in my box this week. Um, okay. I, I've, I'm, uh, I'm not taking a break. It's, it's just there's, there's nothing on my radar that's like I got to get this now. Right. So. Right. Uh, let's move on to our next segment, Jeff. And now it's time for the news. Yes, it is time for the news. Uh, what's our? Did you? I. We probably should have gone over all these. We probably should have to, to write down. Hey, what? What's news this week? I've got three. Okay. And then you've got the the other one that we. Okay, then you go go with your first topic, Jeff. All right. So, uh, well, you know, it's E3 week, so you know, new announcements and stuff mm-hmm. come out. And I thought, you know, maybe we'll get some turtles. Uh, you know, sh- um, TMNT. You know, Shredder's Revenge. Maybe a little bit more sneak peek. No, we got something else mm-hmm. in uh, collaboration with Ubisoft and. Viacom CBS, they announced that the Turtles will be joining the free-to-play Brawlhalla game, kind of like a Smash Brothers clone, mm-hmm. as it were. Um, t- 
Turtles look pretty good. It's very much the 87 uh, cartoon iterations. Uh, yeah, yeah. even had yeah. a nice snappy intro with the Turtles, which kind of look like the versions from the uh, the crossover episode for 2012. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I had heard of this game prior to this announcement. Mm. I'd, I'd, all I'd heard was free, or I'd, I'd heard it was a Smash Brothers clone with other third-party like characters thrown into it. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, okay, that seems cool, but I'm not huge into fighting games, so I'm gonna whatever. Right. But I, I dug into what exactly this game is mm-hmm. once I once I saw the news, and and as you said, it, it is free to play, which is cool. But did you know some of the other uh, the, some of the other crossovers that they would be fighting? No. Uh, let's see. Shovel Knight, obviously. Oh, obviously. Shovel Knight is is uh, the most prolific indie game when it comes to crossing over with other games. Yeah, I have several games with him in it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rayman. Mm-hmm. Hellboy. Ooh. WWE. So so that that means Raphael should be able to punch John Cena. Yeah. So. If you can see him. <laughs> uh, Adventure Time, mm-hmm. Steven Universe, Tomb Raider, Ben 10, The Walking Dead for some reason. Sure, why not? Kung Fu Panda. That makes sense. So, I Turtles are added to this long list of, you know, characters. Mm-hmm. So it's it's cool. It's cool. Yeah, and it should be available, um, or the turtles should be available to play June sixteenth. That's tomorrow, Jeff. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Next time I'm over, we have to play it. Maybe. Maybe. I didn't get a price on them, so I don't know how much it is going to yeah. cost. But that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I. Uh, what's the next chunk of news? Uh, we're going back to Arcade 1-Up, uh, and they are making a, another Turtles cabinet, but this time it's a single, dedicated Turtles in Time cabinet. Small correction. Small correction. The only real difference is the physical appearance of it. It's still going to have both games. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, like, this cabinet that is behind you has both games in it. But it's clearly modeled after the first arcade game. So when are you getting yours? Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. It's not happening. I, you know, I, I seem to recall... I was like, yeah, that's real dumb. And <laughs> so this... Uh, I did something real stupid. <laughs> and the next thing I see is a photo in my message. <laughs> you and your car... Yep. You know, with it right behind you. Because it was on sale. It was on sale. I mean, you know. That's... I, I stand by. That's the only reason I own it, is because it yeah. was on sale. Yeah. Uh, but no, this is going to be basically the same thing. Okay. Uh, fun- the, functionally speaking. Yeah. At the time when I looked up the information, I didn't mm-hmm. see that that was uh, yeah, I, like, the case. I had to... It actually... You have to go deep into the, the like the press release to see that, mm-hmm. but, because it just seems stupid to release it with one game. Yeah. It's probably the exact same guts yeah. that the other one has. Um, all right. Like, if you like that... Bo- not box art, but side art for Turtles in Time. not a fan of that side art, because it's, you know, they're really bad 
costumes and it would have been better because the art on the first one's great. Yeah, the art on the first one is great. I well, mean, you've got live it's action. It's greater. Yeah, you've got live action, you know, April and uh, Shredder, and that's about, that's the extent of it. Yeah. Uh, interesting, uh, uh, fun fact, in the original arcade on April's left hand, it's either her left hand or her right, she had a, a ring on, and then this art, the ring's missing. Oh, so it's been edited. Between then and now, she got divorced. <laughs> that's the only excuse. Yeah, that's the, the only explanation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so, so I guess this will be, if you happen to miss the original when it was a Walmart exclusive, here's your chance to get it again. Yeah. Uh, this time it has faux coin slots on the front. Faux coin slots. Which is adorable. Yeah. Um, and they haven't announced where it's going to be sold. So yeah. it might be one of those. It might not be exclusive anymore. Yeah. So exciting, Jeff. What is your next piece of news? Uh, puppeteer and uh, voice actor Kevin Clash will be doing autograph signings at the Fanboy Expo. Uh, you can purchase autographs online, and I'm sure we'll have the links to where you can uh, get these. Um, this is really cool because I haven't really seen him do conventions um and uh as you uh, our listeners should already know by now he was the voice and puppeteer for Master Splinter in the first two uh Turtles films. That's correct. Uh he was also Elmo. Yeah, for like 25 or 30 years, yeah. And Baby Sinclair from Dinosaurs. That's true. That's true. My wife recently found Dinosaurs. It's such a or great show. Refound Dinosaurs and I and I've watched a few episodes recently and yeah. It it kind of holds up. Yeah. Because it was kind of stupid and timeless when it came out. Mm-hmm. And it's still stupid and timeless. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Leaf was it Leaf Tilden, who was Donatello, is Robbie. Oh, yeah. okay. So we got that connection there. Yeah. Sergio. See, see, won't you work for Henson? Oh, dude, yeah, it's great. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, of course, links to all this stuff will be in... In the show notes. The last piece of news we have is this weird thing that was announced today. Uh, like a, uh, It's called Prospect 100. It's a art and design contest for young artists. Uh, actually, there, there is a, uh, an age range. You have, to be either, you have to be between the ages of 18 and 25 to enter. Mm-hmm. So no children and no fogies. No. Well, there's that. And... Sorry, fogies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the the competition is to reimagine the Ninja Turtles uh, via art, and there's like there, there's there's going to be a judging panel. One of the judges is going to be a Kevin Eastman, mm-hmm. and the the winner is going to win like seven grand, and and they'll get to see their art on official merchandise. Ooh, yeah, like it's kind of cool. But I don't know how I feel about it mm-hmm. because the turtles are kind of in transition right now. Mm-hmm. You know, Rise didn't get renewed. The movie we haven't seen anything on. Mm-hmm. So Nickelodeon is like, what do we do next? We're gonna rip off some artists. Let's let's ask a bunch of young artists to send us some stuff. Yeah. And in if if you look at the like the disclaimers on this thing, anything you send them immediately becomes property of Viacom. Warning. Warning. <laughs> it's a trap. It's, I'm not saying it's a trap. I'm just saying 
they they may not straight up steal art because you are being compensated. You're not being compensated if you lose, but if you win, <laughs> you're being compensated. Right. You're being um, paid what seven seven thousand seven thousand dollars yeah for something that will make them millions. <laughs> you know. You know, no big deal. You know, when you put it that way, I don't know how I feel about that either. Yeah, yeah. I, look, I'm not an artist. It it, it, it just seems kind of slimy. Yeah, but I mean that's corporate. But I imagine they get what 300 submissions, mm-hmm. and they're able to see. Okay, this is the art coming out of the youth these days. They're able to make an informed decision on where to take the turtles next. Yeah, they may not straight up copy it whole cloth, but it's like, oh, hey, this is what people think the turtles are right. in this generation of artists. It's going to be interesting. Let's work from there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, again, uh, it's it's called Prospect 100, uh, and it'll be in the show notes if, if you're interested, and also if you're an artist who wants to give your art away, mm-hmm. we're right here. Shellheads is right here. Hey. I'm just saying. I don't have seven grand to give you. No. But we, we could totally, do, me and you, Jeff, we could do a contest. We could. And, I don't know, give them a t-shirt or something? Yeah. I mean, hey. I'll buy a t-shirt off Etsy yeah, and send it to them yeah. if, they, if they send us some free art to use. <laughs> hey, man, I'll even go to Shirtoid and find you a dope design. Yeah. Yeah. See? We, we just need to learn these tactics from Viacom is what we need exactly. to do. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Turtle tactics. Uh, you can you can reach out to us on Instagram. No, let's move on. Before we jump into our main topic, let's take a quick break. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek. I'm your host, Clarence, and I wanted to introduce you to the podcast. Discussing Trek is all about keeping you informed on the latest news and episode reviews in the Star Trek universe while also staying engaged with our community of listeners. So be sure to hit that subscribe button for weekly content and stay locked in to DiscussingTrek.com for more information. Until next time, guys, live long and prosper. Fantastic. What is our main topic, Jeffrey? I'm very excited. Uh, we're, we're diving back into the, um, the original run of the Mirage Comics, uh, Volume 2. Um, we're picking up where we uh, kind of left off last time. Mm-hmm. Um, starting with issue nine. Issue nine. This is the run that was uh, written and drawn by the one and only Jim Lawson. And we re- remember last time. This is the one where where Baxter Stockman returned. Uh, for the first time since issue number two. And he had put his brain inside of a robot. Uh, and, and, and the turtles had no no clue who he was, but he was attacking them. And the the, the an, an initial run ended with Raphael disappearing. He basically fell off of a building and was gone. Yep. They, they had defeated uh, one Baxter Stockman. At least they thought. And that's basically where issue number nine picks up. Uh, I do remember that that our I think our criticism of the first eight was it kind of moves kind of slow. There was a lot of stuff that a little, was, exp- a little bit of exposition. A little, I wouldn't even say exposition. Just a lot of like side stuff that was unnecessary to the story they were trying to tell. Yeah, which makes sense if you have uh, like a thirty to forty issue plan. Mm-hmm. You know, like like IDW does that. 
Mm-hmm. You know, they're only they're going to you know just breadcrumbs worth of story in each issue, and then it all culminates fifteen issues later. Suddenly, the the puzzle makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, this run didn't really have the benefit of that, seeing as it ended after thirteen issues. Yeah, just real like a hard stop. Uh, and, and we'll get to a little bit more of that later when we get to issue 13, because I feel like issue 13, it, it's very obvious that they were not planning on issue 13 being number the, or the final issue. Right. Uh, we're also going to cover uh, a, a pair of issues called Casey Jones North by Down East. Uh, they were published during the same run as the uh, uh, volume two. So like, if you look at the old covers, they have the same uh, Mirage logo on them. Uh, they were in color, uh, just like Mirage was printing at the time. Uh, I, and if I remember correctly, they were released around issues five and six, five, six or seven. And it was a two issue miniseries. And we'll talk about that last just yeah. cause it makes sense. It, it, it doesn't really fit in the timeline that we're talking about, so we'll just separate those at the end. Yeah. But I felt like we needed to talk about it because we have a little bit of availability to talk about a couple of extra issues. And I don't know when we'll get back to a, a situation where it would be relevant to talk about those two. Right. Uh, without further ado, let's talk about Volume 2, Issue 9. So this one picks up exactly where uh, Issue 8 left off. Uh, the turtles have no idea where Raphael is, uh, but they are regrouping at their house, uh, and Baxter has been blown up. Is it Casey's apartment? Is it is it Casey's apartment? Yeah. Their house, Casey's apartment, you know. Yeah. Six of one, half a dozen of another. The uh, Baxter Stockman is, like, he's been blown up, and he is slowly realizing that his... His armor or his his robot body has basically become sentient and is learning on its own how to heal itself. Uh, and, and despite the original schematics of the robot not being stored in the memory of the robot, the robot is rebuilding its own arms to its own specifications. That's pretty dope. Yes. And terrifying. It's it's both of those things. And it, it's, at the very least, really interesting. Like, it, it's it's a fascinating way to write a robot. Uh, which Or a cyborg. Or, or a cyborg, or... Because that's what he is. He has, he has yeah. a... So a cyborg is a human with robot parts, or a yeah. robot with human parts. Yeah. Okay, that's a cyborg. Okay. Yeah. So the Terminator... Is a cyborg because he has flesh. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, the turtles decide they're going to go looking for Raf. Uh, they make their way to basically the sewer outside of the building that you know all the stuff went down at. Uh, they found where he must have landed, and they come across Baxter Stockman, and a fight breaks out. Meanwhile, uh, back at Case's apartment. Uh, some shadowy government figures are breaking in to try to find the turtles and Casey and any, basically any evidence that they can inside the building. They are met by this bald dude who is hanging out in the, in the, the basement. The bald dude knows exactly who they are and probably what they're there for. So he just beats the crap out of all of them. 
uh, leaving them all knocked out on the floor. Uh, and before the end of that scene, we see that he has some sort of superpower. Uh, we're not It's not explained as to what that is, but he's clearly got some sort of superpower. The Turtles have an epic battle with Baxter Stockman in the sewers, their home turf, uh, and Leo does the one of the coolest things I've seen in a Ninja Turtles comic to date. Baxter Stockman throws a an electrified like wire down at the turtles as if so it would shock all of them because they're all standing in the pool of water in the, in the sewer. Leo throws his sword and like slices the cord long ways and sticks it into the the wall of the sewer shocking Baxter instead of the, the turtles beneath them. Thrilling. And it was, and, and, and like, despite anybody's complaints about Jim Lawson's art or how he draws people or turtles, he has, he has a handle on action sequences and, uh, and, and how uh, things are spaced on a page that a lot of artists don't have. Yeah. Most definitely. And this entire sequence with Baxter exploding again is stunning. It's absolutely beautiful. And you you get these big splash pages. You know, I love having that whole page just dedicated to that piece. You know, and I'm going to echo that sentiment. Like, I I prefer earlier Lawson. Mm -hmm. um, Just because, you know, the turtles are a bit more muscular instead of, like, kind of weird jagged edges. Yeah. Upon further investigation, the turtles figure out, hey, I think this is Baxter. And that's pretty much where the the, the issue ends. They still have not found Raphael. uh, And Baxter was, how how does Casey put it at the end? This robot was our only, no, this was Leo that said this. Uh, This robot was our one and only hope of finding Raphael. Yeah. So, Raph's still missing. What'd you think of issue nine? You know, I really, I really dig this one just because it's like, who's that Mister Clean dude at the beginning? I'm like, what's going on? What's he doing up in that, up in their basement? I was like, I really enjoyed this. Um, like, who's that Mister dude in the basement? Looks like Mister Clean, uh, <laughs> who's been doing all the push-ups um, and didn't skip leg day. And um, you know, there's just this this kind of like air of mystery, which I. I, I, I a good mystery <laughs> you know for for me like bishop was never named mm-hmm. in this run but it really reminds me of the character archetype that bishop portrays or represents mm-hmm. in future versions of the turtles mm-hmm. uh had this gone had this run gone farther than issue 13, it wouldn't surprise me if Bishop was int- introduced. Like, if that was the plan all along. Right. Uh, and instead of using it in here, they just held on to it for another 10 years and put it into 2K3. Yeah. Because it's basically the same thing. Right. Uh, I, I really like the DARPA stuff. Uh, but, of course, that really hasn't happened yet, so let's not talk about that. Uh, <laughs> the, this one is the ultimate defeat of Baxter Stockman, is, is what this is. Uh, and this issue has so much promise. Because mm-hmm. it, what happens? Like, the turtles don't know that his, his robot body is going to regenerate. Yeah. So 
does he just keep coming back like a Terminator? The, the, with it ending at issue 13, we don't really see anything about this for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is... We, we do retouch on the... the uh, the the Baxter Stockman's a robot, you know storyline. It's not for a very long time, and I'm not going to spoil anything here. But I felt like there was a lot more story to tell, specifically in this this era in this run. Right. Uh, but final thoughts before we move on. Man, like I just I dig it. I really really enjoyed this. Like again, those those panels, man, with. Uh, where the turtles don't even know that he's in the sewer. Yeah. And you, they come around the corner like, oh, oh, snap. <laughs> and then there's a beautiful page where you see Baxter up on top of this wall in the sewer that he's just hiding out at, and he shoots, he fires off a laser or a rocket or whatever at him. And then you see below, if there's like a two-panel page, and there's like the turtles are kind of hiding behind a column and stuff. And I was like, that, ah, I, just, I dig that. I, anytime that you could see big kind of full views, Mm-hmm. Of the sewers, and we've ha- we have in, in in past issues, which just to give you an idea of how vast and just cavernous and gigantic they are, instead of them just being kind of like you know confined spaces. So I dig that. I dig the uh, the urban exploration yeah uh, aspect. But yeah, I you know I kind of hate that this is you know the end of Baxter at least for now. Yeah, like you said, there was there was some more promise here. Yeah, but, but such man, a such a cool action sequence. What a way to freaking go. <laughs> I love the shading on this too. Like when when Leo had the the uh, the electricity was jutting from his sword, and you see the turtles all shaded. That's just beautiful. I love that. Yep, got the hard light coming from behind. Mm-hmm. Yep, agreed. Let's move on to issue ten. Issue ten. Uh, this one, of course, was also Jim Lawson. We should also note that all of these. I uh, have stunning covers that are done by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. Uh, that that was kind of the consistent thing throughout the entire run. Okay, issue 10. Of course, picks up where the last one left off. They're still looking for Raphael. Uh, however, now they're back at Casey's house, and Casey uh, is met by uh, Mr. Mr. Clean Bald Man guy. Uh, and we learn that he, his name is Lou. Yeah. Who is basically a handy uh, a handyman for Casey and April, and uh, there's a, a cool shot where you actually get to see Shadow. So Shadow has uh, aged since City at War. Mm-hmm. She's clearly walking around and playing with dinosaurs. Yeah. Uh, Lou explains to uh, Casey what happened. Hey, DARPA showed up, and uh, and explains to him who DARPA is and uh, what he ex- what he suspects them you know being there for and. Kind of just goes into the whole spiel, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, during his story, we find out that Raphael has been captured, which we knew. We knew he'd been captured captured at the end of the the, the last run that we uh, talked about, but we didn't know that Lou knew, right? We we didn't know anything about that. Uh, but Raphael breaks breaks free of his his uh his restraints. And kind of stumbles into the next room. They've he, they've clearly been doing experiments on him. He walks into a room full of alien beings. Yeah, uh, it seems like uh, there's a triceraton in there. There's a xenomorph-looking thingy. Uh, it's it's clear that he's in some sort of DARPA facility that does tests on 
unknown organisms. He's attacked by this weird purple tentacle monster. And then that purple, purple tentacle monster is attacked by uh, the people who work there. It's, it's real confusing because Raphael can barely even walk and is having to fight. Lou ends up talking to the turtles and Casey and basically saying, I'm sorry, I've lied to you. Um, I'm more than just a dude named Lou. And I know that you hang around with turtles, but it's fine. Let me tell you my backstory. His backstory is that he uh, was part of an experimental DARPA program that was basically trying to make super soldiers is how I read it. And a lot of the people in the program uh, perished or they, you know, nothing happened or they died. Uh, what happened with Lou is he gained the superpower to implant thoughts in people's minds, which would have been very useful for DARPA had he decided not to help them with it. Uh, instead, he used his power to escape and basically become invisible. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's a very convenient power. Uh, what did, did did we learn what DARPA stands for? Yes, we did. It is Defense and Research Projects Administration. Well, there you go. So this sounds like X Files to me. Yeah. Way before X Files. Not way before X Files. Yeah. This no, was this is nineties. Nineties. Yeah, this is nineties. Yeah. X Files was early to late nineties. Got delved into the X Files. So, <laughs> uh, after he does all of the, all of his explaining, he basically says, "Hey, Turtle guys, we're gonna go visit DARPA because chances are that's where your boy is." Uh, they then leave the next morning in a van uh, and drive to the desert. It's, at least that's what it looks like. Uh, I don't know why they're anywhere near where there would be a desert. I mean, look, secret government agent, you know, agency. Yeah. Out in the middle of nowhere where nobody's around. So he's like, oh, hey, we got them aliens flying around out there. We need to, you know, yeah. cover I that it, up. It, it's it's just, if they're set in New York, like this says here, it took them three days to get there. Does it take three days to get from New York to Nevada? Hmm. I've never it, made the trip. Maybe. Let, yeah. And I'm sure it's not an easy trip when you have three turtles in the backseat. Besides the point. Yeah. Uh Basically, they get out there, and then it's to be continued. That's the end of the issue. So there's a, there's a lot of exposition in this this book. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of it explaining DARPA, explaining who Lou is, his power, how he fits in the story, and how they're going to find Raph. All very useful, all very well delivered, uh, and timely. Like, we need to get to the point. Right. Our brother's missing. Uh, what'd you think? You know, I was digging, you know, as I was looking, I was like, Hey, who's this extra guy in a in a you know freaking Marty McFly looking vest? I was like, oh wait, that's legit nobody. Yeah. yeah. It, oh, I totally forgot to mention. Yeah, nobody's there. Yeah, it took me a hot second. I was like, wait, w when did he come in? He was he was there when Lee. You no, know, when Raphael got lost. Yeah, he was the one who showed up with rocket launchers. <laughs> I mean, if you got to, it's like, hey, I know a guy, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, it would have been nice to have seen like, oh, hey, nobody. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of introduction. A little bit, Instead yeah. of like, hey, who's that guy back there? No, it's not April. <laughs> right. It's not Casey. It's not. You yeah. know. Um, so. Um, and I have a lot to say about the nobody character coming up here in a few minutes. I do, too. Uh, 
No spoilers yet. Yeah, no spoilers. Um, but yeah, like I, I dig. You know, I always, I've always dug like, you know, the weird, the weird sci-fi movies that have like, oh, we're experimenting on, you know, whatever mm-hmm. and stuff. And it's like, you know, um, so I love that. I love that setting. Um, and again, you know, you get, it's there's there's more mystery. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, I, I love that. They don't give you just everything up front like some some things do. They just, it's a nice build. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and as you said, the pacing is much better in this mm-hmm. um, as those those first uh, chunks that we read. Yeah. The, 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 the shadowy government body trying to test the turtles is a plot that almost writes itself. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, it's 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 way more of a natural fit than them going to Dimension X or to another planet accidentally via transmat, you know. Yeah. I, I, and and that's not to say either one is better than the other. It's just mm-hmm. if if you put ten writers in a room and you're and you say, hey, write an Ninja Turtle story that you've never heard before, likely one of them is going to come up with the government is trying to track the turtles down. Yeah. That's it's, it's a no brainer. Yeah. I don't like how Jim Lawson draws bald dudes. Eh, it's fine. Yeah. I legit thought he was the guy from City at War that uh, got blown up in the first issue. Yeah. Because he looks just like him. Oh, that's right. He does. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Yeah. We have a few nuggets. Okay. Uh, in the beginning, um, in, uh, in in their apartment with, uh, with Shadow, you see a, a Godzilla... Uh, toy that Shadow is, is fr- in front of Shadow. Then there's like, a, if you look carefully, there's a Batman toy, and it it kind of looks like Mickey Mouse, but it also kind of looks like the Cat in the Hat on her T-shirt. Okay. I mean, you know, we haven't had Nuggets in a while. Yeah. So little. Oh, hey, it's Godzilla. April is kind of taking a back seat in these runs. Yeah. In this run. Yeah, she's just like, okay, I'll watch the kid. I'll babysit. Basically. Yep. Uh, let's move on to issue 11, uh, another fantastic cover by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. Uh, it picks up again where the previous issue left off. Uh, our ragtag team is in the desert uh, looking to assault a DARPA facility. Uh, that team includes all the three remaining turtles. Lou, nobody, who is now suited up, and Casey. Why nobody wasn't suited up in the previous issue? I don't know. It would have been way easier to be like, "Hey, that's nobody." Yeah, that I I don't get it, but okay. But sure, whatever. This is a weird issue. Uh, not that it is inherently weird. A lot of weird things happen, and it's there's a lot of things that are not very Ninja Turtle like in it. Uh, so very early in the issue. Casey Jones turns into more of an idiot than he usually is. He goes full, like... Rambo. Full Rambo, full 80s action hero, just guns out. Let me just jump through a window. I can handle it. Just because, and this is because Lou put into his mind that, Casey, you're a great leader. And the way his mind interpreted that was, oh, I must be Rambo. And so, via Casey Jones's gusto, you know, he basically thinks he's bulletproof now. They steal a DARPA dr- truck and drive it onto the facility. He, the entire time, is spouting one-liners with uh, a, a terrible Stallone accent. Yeah. 
<laughs> and it like this this version of Casey kind of just exists the rest of this run. Mm-hmm. Uh, at no point did Lou undo it. Uh, so they're you know trying to break in. Uh, nobody, of course, being the weapons expert, brings guns. Shoot, he shoots down a helicopter. They drive directly through the fence. They don't try to sneak in at all. There's nothing ninja about this issue whatsoever. Nope. Uh, there's guns all over the place. Casey jumps out of the truck as it explodes and just starts shooting with a chain gun. Uh, him and nobody has literally a duffel bag full of weaponry that he's not sharing with anybody. Nope. Lou is just kind of hanging out, trying to get through all this these people. Casey steals a... a, a a motorcycle drives it through a door crashes it slides it at four darpa dudes shoots the gas tank and watches it explode in the background like literally a full-on action movie sequence it's very it's very rambo slash van damme yeah yeah and it's dumb but it's cool it's real cool and it's not a thing we've ever seen Casey Jones do. Like, mm-hmm. I think he's actually been vocal in the past that he doesn't like guns. Yeah. You know? Uh, that doesn't matter, though. <laughs> he loves guns today. Killing everybody. Uh, so they get in. Everyone's still intact and running. Uh, <laughs> nobody is still pulling weapons out of that bag. They bust through a door and uh, Lou stumbles upon the canisters or the, the, the containers that hold all of the uh, the alien beings. And he sees an old friend from when he was at the Darba facility uh, along with the Triceraton. The Triceraton breaks out because his containment thing was cracked. Uh and we find out that him and this blue dude, what was the blue dude's name? Dude. Is he is he blue in yours? Okay, no, the orange and blue dude. He's got blue clothes. Yeah. In this he's just blue with blue shirt. Yeah. I don't know if we ever get his name. <laughs> dude with head shaped like paint. I I don't even know if that's what that is. It's, it looks like a giant nail. It looks it looks like a nail. Uh it also kind of looks, his head looks like a footstool, a footstool, <laughs> like a, one of the, one of the, the <laughs> squashed carrot, the <laughs> cities in, or one of the buildings in cloud city. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. He's a weird looking dude, but apparently he had some beef with this Triceraton, but they have to agree to put their, you know, differences behind them considering they're all wanted by DARPA. They free all of the alien species, and they're, they're trying to make their big escape here. Uh, we are reminded about the Triceraton backstory, and uh, at the very end, we learn that a transponder that is supposed to be in contact with the Triceraton homeworld has been activated, mm-hmm. which will come into play a bit later. But it is always good to see... Triceratons. Always. Always. Uh, I am concerned that there's a continuity problem here. Ooh. Uh, in that this Triceraton does not need, ox- you know, like, some sort of 
oh yeah breather yeah considering was it zog zog was going crazy because he yeah couldn't handle our atmosphere is it like sulfur and nitrogen mix or something like that yeah maybe it's because he'd been in that tube for so long that maybe. his brain has not deteriorated yet i don't know or maybe he got accl- or they had some juice in that they, tube yeah that he got acclimated, acclimated to, to it yeah. who knows i don't know it's troubling that it's not mentioned yeah uh, again, the pacing on this is fantastic. They're moving. They're they're getting to the point. Yeah. Which at this point in the run, they really have to. Uh, I, I I do. I like the new characters. I like the that they're actually using Lou's character mm-hmm. for what they put him there for. I'm concerned that they're not using nobody properly. Yes, I will agree. Because he's just man with gun, who's shooting people uh which when they're telling the story of this book it's he's useful mm-hmm. but he completely makes the the, the turtles irrelevant yeah because they're not doing much they're not doing anything the turtles are doing nothing it's like oh hey i'll just sit back here for a minute you, you do all the heavy lifting yeah like in uh, like when you play multiplayer <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're the healers yeah <laughs> uh yeah, this could be a three-man crew. Casey, Nobody, and Lou, and the story would not have changed whatsoever. Yeah. What'd you think? Again, you know, it's all it's all coming together. Um, I really <laughs> dug the freaking action hero sequences. Like, you know, I was like, I'm sure somebody was up late one night, you know, watching some uh, quality uh, edutainment. And, uh, you know, uh, like, hey, I was watching Rambo last night mixed with a little bit of a little bit of Jean-Claude Van Damme. Sure. Why not? Yeah. I, f- I feel like Jim Lawson just really wanted to do like a, a Rambo style action sequence. And when Kevin and Peter told him that's not really Casey's character. Yeah. Let's find a way to make that happen. And Jim Lawson was like, I got I you. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 And it works. It yeah. works really well. I was like, wait, what's happening? And I was like, ooh. I was like, that's the first the first time that I, I read this. I was like, oh, that's not stealthy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'm sure this is going to cause all kinds of problems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and boy, did it ever. Uh, the turtles barely talk. Yeah. They're barely in this issue. Yeah. But, of course, they are the ninjas, and they don't use a stealth approach, so I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Any nuggets? Um... <laughs> <laughs> it's not a nugget, but probably one of my favorite parts uh, is when they're they're driving through the desert and they uh, they've got the uh, the wall of the the road spikes or the the reverse you can go for, but not you know mm-hmm. backwards or whatever from the other direction. And uh, they they run over that, and then the very next panel, uh, <laughs> you see nobody loading up the rocket launcher, and they're like, "No, like relax, Mikey." It's just a disruptor, and he shoots the helicopter, and it explodes, and he's like, oops. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. It totally disrupted the helicopter into the ground. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I, I absolutely love that moment. Um, <laughs> that was really great. And, of course, you know, like the, the, the Casey going wild with the motorcycle and exploding it. Dude, that was the, the coolest. Was really, really cool. That's probably the coolest thing he's ever done. The coolest thing he's ever done. Absolutely. In any iteration. And I can see how it would be very hard to draw that and actually get across to the 
to the reader what it what he did. Yeah. But Lawson is able to do that really well here. Oh yeah. He let the the he let the motorcycle slide into the four opponents, shot the gas tank, and it exploded. Yeah. Like, that's cool. That's, that's some cool guy stuff. Yeah. Love seeing that. Um and I had a feeling like when we when we in the previous issue when or the issue before that, um, um, the the tanks with the you know the aliens in them. Yeah, I was like, those dudes are gonna break out, or well, they didn't break out or something. They were they were freed by our well, heroes. Well, yeah. Um, I was not prepared for Triceraton penis. What? There was no Triceraton penis in this. Oh no, that's a Triceraton penis. Yep. <laughs> By golly. <laughs> uh, n- note: you're you're looking at the IDW reprints. Yeah. And what does it say on the cover of those those graphic novels? Nothing. Yes. <laughs> like what do you, wait? It says ages thirteen and up recommended. Oh, oh yeah 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 okay. I was saying, like, is this a trick question? So what that means is if you're 13 years old, you're ready to see a Triceraton penis. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I missed that. Yeah. Like, I was sitting here reading, and I was like, that dude's naked. Speaking of nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, unless you have something else. No, that was the only nugget. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to issue 12. Okay, this is the penultimate issue, issue 12, and it starts off at a Triceraton, I don't know if it's the homeworld or if it's just a battle station, but it's one of those big chunks of Earth that they pulled out of a yep. uh, out of a planet, uh, and they're basically receiving the distress signal, or the signal from, from Earth, and they go through a, some... some really verbose science fiction explanation exposition explaining why hey we need to go save this guy or we need to go to go to earth and they're also like if we do it's guaranteed destruction yeah because we don't have enough power to come back or we it none of that matters basically they know it's a one-way trip but they're going uh as kind of a as retribution which I don't know if I like, eh. but it it, it kind of makes the Triceraton make more sense. I I don't know. I don't know. Not a huge not a not a huge fan of that. Yeah. Moving on, uh, we cut back to our heroes trying to escape the facility. They find Raphael, bust him out of his container, get him ready to go, get everyone armed up and clothed, uh, and we find out that despite. Having said, hey, I'm on your team, guys, the Triceraton totally ices the little bubblegum-looking guy. Mm-hmm. Which means that he's probably just waiting to pick everyone off one person at a time. Yeah. Uh, they're working their way through, through the facility, find, and they find their way, way into some caverns. Uh, looks like under the facility. Making their way through, and they come to this big... Like big vast like cavern thing that at the end of it is this eyeball looking thing. It looks like a giant cavern anus. Yes, it, yes, it does. Yes, cavernous. Cavern cavernous cavern anus. Cavern anus. Cavern anus. Yes. And all of them are like, hmm. How do we handle this? I don't know. 
Uh, and while they're trying to figure this out, I have beef. Yeah, this this tentacular eyeball anus thing shoots rope darts <laughs> at the good guys and just straight up murders nobody. Man, like grabs him off of the the, the top of the, the cliff, pulls him into his little anus eyeball thing. And basically eats nobody. I'm not happy. At all. It is such a terrible way to just dispose of a pretty cool and kind of important character. Yeah. Okay, maybe not kind of important. But it was done with no fanfare or no reverie. It was just like, oh, he's gone. You know, like the the second person to die in a horror movie. Just, 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 Just totally got Game of Thrones. That's, yes, he did. You know, oh, where'd Cassandra go? Oh, look, Cassandra's dead. You know, mm-hmm. just, just, mm-hmm. just. I was, I was very, very surprised. I knew that it happened. I had forgotten that it happened. Mm-hmm. But to see it again and to, I flipped back and forth through the pages like two or three times and I, trying to figure out, did this does this have any kind of gravity to it? Or is it just, hey, nobody's gone? Yeah. And that's what it was. Hey, nobody's gone. That's exactly what it feels like. Yeah. Uh, let's get through. We'll continue to complain about this when we get to the end, but let me get through the, the issue. Uh, so after he kills nobody, after that thing kills nobody, they decide, you know what? We're just going to blow that thing up. Yeah. They set off a bomb in nobody's duffel bag of goodies and blows off one of its uh, t- tentacles and hurts it. Unfortunately, there's also a cave-in, which kills the little tentacular monster, but they're kind of stuck. They see a way out uh, via, like, like, a hole in the ceiling, and they're, they decide, we have to climb out. They start climbing. It's a very steep, steep climb. As they get to the, the hole at the top, as soon as Leonardo pokes his head out and s- to see what's on the other side... What he sees is an army of what is presumably DARPA uh, soldiers or DARPA workers, whatever they, you know, agents. DARPA agents. That's a good, that's the word. Yeah, yeah. And the book is to be continued. It's a whole bunch of DARPA agents, tanks, and helicopters. So it's not like they can just ninja their way through because they're all waiting for them to come out of the hole. Yeah. Why was nobody even here? I, I I just I don't, I don't understand. I have so much beef. Like I get killing him. I get, I get it. You know he's he is a disposable character. He doesn't pose any immediate need to the plot. But why was he there in the first place? Like after the initial battle in issue eight, I believe it was, where he blew up Baxter Stockman and then just disappeared. He wasn't there for the second Baxter uh, scene. All he was was man with gun. Yeah, I I don't I don't get it. Like it's a very wasted use of this great character that we've come to really, you know, enjoy. Um especially when, you know, he's in Northampton. He's like, "Oh, it's like you're kind of checking out the farmhouse." He's like, "Oh, okay." Uh-huh. "Hey Donatello." <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's like, "Let's fight first. So I don't know who you are." It's like it's like I'm nobody. You know. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And so like, "Oh, okay, cool." So like it's like I liked having another character 
that knew about the turtles. Yeah. That wasn't just your standard Casey, April, you know, that random guy over there. <laughs> you know. This new guy named Lou. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lou yeah. will do. Uh, you know, yeah. but no, I'm I'm pissed. Yeah, like I and I don't mind that they killed him. I do. I you liked know? him a lot. You know, cuz cuz I made a great action figure too. I appreciate when creative people kill their characters. And it's something that isn't done in the Ninja Turtles enough. Yeah. You know, I want characters to die, and I want there to be repercussions for their death. I want there to be mourning. But there was none of that. It was just, oh, there goes nobody. And 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 I'm sure there's some artsy, like, uh, way to explain why they killed him. It's like, oh, well, he is the, the man who represents the, you know, the gun-toting hero. Yeah. And the gun-toting hero has to understand the, the repercussions of his weapons. And having so much firepower at his fingertips, he could die at any moment. Sure. Like, if you're trying to send a, a message, but do had they done more with his character to make an impact to, to this story specifically... They could have gotten away, Lawson, I guess, so we have to throw names out, could have gotten away with killing him and it actually having an impact. Yeah. This seemed like a red shirt situation. Oh, very much red shirt, even though Lou is wearing a red shirt. <laughs> I don't think it was in the original, but no, whatever. It, it was white. <laughs> yeah. Which is it, why he looked like Mr. Clean. It, it was just... I, I, I didn't like it because of the execution, no pun intended. Oh, uh, ouch. But it's it's not that I didn't I didn't like it because they killed him. Yeah. I, obviously, you have a very different stance on that. Yeah, because like there's no there's no reason to it. There's no weight. There's no feelings that I I don't like not having that impact because he was their friend. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and they're literally given no time to process it. Yeah, like he's dead. They blow up the 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 thing. A cave-in happens, and then they're trapped, and they are surrounded by DARPA. And, and and maybe, maybe, just maybe, because this run ends after 13 issues, mm-hmm. we just didn't get the emotional resolution that we would have. Right. Had it ran, you know, 22 issues or 37 issues, and they, you know, might have given him a proper burial, or we'd learn more about his character posthumously. You know, there's right. more they could have done. They just didn't have the pages to do it. Yeah. Um, other than that, what do you think of the issue? It's still enjoyable. Um, you know, there's lots of stuff going on. There's betrayal. Uh, <laughs> there's in mine. There's blue tri- triceratons, which is weird. Yeah. Do you want to take a moment to talk about that? So yeah, I don't understand why because they've always been orange. Yes, they've always been orange. Uh, the so originally. These were published by Mirage uh, as color books. Uh, All of Volume 2 was in color. And they were colored by Eric Vincent and Altered Earth Arts. I don't know who that is. But the Triceratons were orange. You know, everything was kind of the color you'd expect it to be. But it was very much a 90s colored book. Yeah. You know, IDW reprinted them. Four or five years ago, in 2014, they print they reprinted them six seven years ago, and with the reprint, they had them recolored with a modern 
color like color technique, which is fine. Like the color for the most part is vivid. It looks good. It fits the story. Yeah. But there's just some really weird liberties taken. Yeah. In the reprints that don't make any sense. Like Baxter Stockman is the wrong color in in the reprints. Like what what is what's that? Yeah. Like yeah. It. I feel like they were recoloring these books and not using the source material as reference. It's kind of weird. Yeah, like you, it, as you said, yeah. there's blue triceratons in your book, and this the, 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 that guy right there, the, the guy that we said looks like a like a Cloud City yeah. building. In the original, he was blue, like his skin was blue and his clothes were blue. Yeah. And in the version you're looking at, he's orange or brown, brownish tan, and has blue clothes. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't either. It's a it's a it's a dumb thing to get wrong considering there is source material to use. Right. No, I can totally understand if there wasn't anything to pull from. Yeah. If these were you black know. and white books originally, sure. Just if you mess make, up just it, make it up. Just make it up. It's such so dumb. Whatever. Yeah. It's a small nitpick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a small price to pay for these books to be available. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to that when we finish. Um, yeah. I don't know if I like the Triceraton aspect of this at all. I like there being a Triceraton. I don't like the fact that within a two-issue period, within a two-issue period, we go from Triceratons are nowhere in the story to they're coming to blow up the Earth. Yeah. It, 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 like, this is foot on the gas pedal Let's run this into the ground as fast as we possibly can because we're running out of issues. The whole front part of this book, whatever, you know, just justify whatever you need to justify to get your home world in our atmosphere because that's what you're doing. That's all you're doing. Yeah. Whatever. You know, it's it's still a fun read. Mm -hmm. And this one has more turtle stuff in it than the previous one, but not too much more. What's really funky is the the cover recolored. The Triceraton is orange. No, the color the cover was not recolored. Oh, okay. The cover inside that book is the same exact cover that was well, originally sure printed. Touched up a little bit, but I'm still I'm like your cover's orange. Yeah, yeah. Your Triceraton blue. Yeah, it's 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 a real it's, it's real weird. Uh, let's you know what we're we're on a roll. Yeah. This this conversation is rocking. Yeah. Let's roll to issue 13. Okay. Uh, a funny story. I bought issue 13 when I when I decided, you know what? I'm going to go back and collect all these old comics. Mm-hmm. I bought issue 13 at Comic Commander here locally. Oh, wow. Or it was before it was called Comic Commander. Action Island? Probably Action Island. I don't yeah. know what, what, what it was. But the version that I bought has the cover on backwards. Oh, Wow. Yeah, so like that's a printing error. It is a printing error. Ooh. Uh, so like, if you're looking at the cover and you open it, the back of the book is what you see, and you have to like flip it over and open it from the back to the front. Oh wow! Yeah, the rest of the book is fine. It's just the covers on upside down. It's it's real weird. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm I'm totally gonna get it graded and sell it on eBay for like nine thousand dollars. Yeah, I'm not gonna do that. You could no, but you know you would you'd have a hole in your heart. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I think I have two copies of it now. I think I have one that's regu- that's correct and one that's not correct. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, this is the end of the end of volume two. Um, 
in, in this one, Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman actually did the cover, of course, as always. There, there's an entire, like, paragraph here. There are a couple, a few paragraphs explaining what's going on. And I'm going to read it real quick, okay? Okay. This is the last, last Mirage published issue of TMNT for the foreseeable future. We hope you will seek out and pick up the new Image Comics uh, TMNT book, which promises to be really great. Eric Larson talks about his plans uh, for the Image TMNT comic later in the issue. And there was actually a little section at the end, like a Q&A. Also, uh, be on the lookout for the Creed TMNT crossover by Lightning Comics, which me and you have already read. Mm-hmm. And just so everyone is clear on this point, Mirage Studios is still going strong. We are not closing our doors uh, or going out of business. We're just fine, thank you very much. Uh, Even though we're uh, taking a break from comics, our publishing division is still going to exist. You uh, never know. We may be on the... We may be... There may be the occasional comic out uh, of here still. If you find... Uh, you just can't live without Mirage in your life, then get online and log on to NinjaTurtles.com. That internet address will get you to the only official Ninja Turtles homepage, except no substitutes. Can't tell you how many times I went to that freaking website. Mm-hmm. It was so freaking great. I really miss it. Now, keep this in mind. This is 1995. Yeah. And... They're pointing you in the direction of their website. Right. In a physical comic book in 1995. Yeah. I'm not saying pioneers, but there weren't that many people saying, go to my website in 1995. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, just it's, it's just interesting that... And, and I don't think there was any announcement prior to that, you know, at least not in the comics. Yeah. There may, may have been, like, industry announcements, like stuff in, like, previews or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But this was like, hey, we, we ain't doing this. Enjoy. Yeah. I mean, I get it. They're burnt out. Yeah. That's a lot. It's a lot. And um, it's expensive. Yeah. You know, and I, these books weren't flying off the shelves. The toys were. Not at 95? 95? Maybe. maybe. That, this was... Video games. Eight years into... The run or yeah. into the TV show at this yeah. point. Ended in '96, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So this was the tail end of of uh, Phase One. Uh, like four years after this, mm-hmm. Kevin Eastman would sell his share to Peter Laird. Mm-hmm. Four or five years, something like that. Mm-hmm. Around '99, 2000. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm sure they still had money, but. It was obvious what they weren't what what they were doing wasn't profitable. Yeah, because it wasn't even Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman doing the work. Yeah. It was Lawson. So I don't know. Let's dive in. Okay, so the turtles are cornered. They're kind of screwed. They're stuck in that hole and they can't crawl out because DARPA will shoot them. Yeah, that old chestnut. Oh uh, yeah. Luckily, the. Uh, the plot device that is the Triceratons show up uh, and start blowing up DARPA ships. Uh, They're orange this time. The, yeah. Or brownish? Uh, hey. Tannish? Never too late to correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so Triceratons start showing up and start blowing up tanks and helicopters and basically declare war on 
the, the that DARPA facility because that's where the Triceraton distress signal's coming from. Mm. Uh, the turtles use this convenience to climb out of the hole and try to escape. Casey grabs a gun, starts blowing things up because uh, he is still Rambo. Rambo. Uh, and there's just a full-on war going uh, going on. Turtles are literally trying to escape. Uh, Lou gets straight up shot by a triceraton, like, and not like, oh, shot in the leg or shot in the shoulder. Like, there is a significant portion of his torso missing now. Yeah. So, homie's gonna die, or at least we're led to believe. Ooh. Uh, the triceratons decide that. What they're going to have to do is drop, drop what is it, an energy core or something? And to, to, to blow up the facility to, you know, to win the war, even though they're, they're all going to die anyway. Yeah. Uh, Lou lays there dead, uh, telling Leo that, hey, this, this is, the, the Triceratons are defeated. They're not going to win this. It's a suicide run for them. Get out. Leo goes to jump into a Jeep with the, that weird alien guy who was friends with Lou only to be blasted out of the Jeep by a burst of air and not allowed to go with him. It's then revealed very shortly after that, that Lou is not dead. He's actually riding along with his buddy. Uh, and he had implanted in the turtles brains, the, the image and the activity of him being shot and dying. Yeah. Uh, in order to flee the scene without, any you know anyone knowing? Hey, following him and saying, "Hey, he's still alive." We then find out later that that isn't the only thing he does. The Triceraton ship does end up entering Earth's atmosphere at a very alarming rate, one that is going to screw up wherever it lands. It lands right behind where the turtles are. It explodes. Vaporizing the turtles where they stand. Very Terminator Two dream sequence esque. Yes. That one panel uh, at the bottom of page 24 with a turtle's face melting off mm -hmm. stuck with me. Because I read this in my early, early 20s. And the first time I saw it, I was like, what is, what? Yeah. What? They, and, and it's so, such a vivid, disturbing picture mm -hmm. that when I think issue 13 of volume two, the first thing that comes to mind is that one frame. Yeah. Or one panel. Uh, right after his face melts off, Leonardo wakes up in Casey's house on Casey's couch with Shadow watching or playing um, like a dinosaur video game, like a Godzilla style game. And he's like, what's going on? The blast. Uh, was I knocked out? We were in Nevada. And Casey's like, what are you talking about? We've never been to Nevada. He then picks up Shadow, kind of gives her a hug, looks out the window. And out the window, you see on the, on the street, you see Lou in a trench coat looking back up saying, or I guess thinking goodbye, Leo. Mm -hmm. And then there's two... But obviously, artists standing on the side of the road that says, we will we'll draw for food. One looks like Lawson. I'm sure it's absolutely Lawson. Yeah. Uh, maybe the other one's Eric Talbot. Maybe. Maybe. With long hair, because he's tall. Um, the next page is Lou walking away in his trench coat. The end. 
no explanation as exactly how that went down. Mm-hmm. But we're too we, we're to assume that Lou implanted the explosion in their head to basically lop off that timeline and also implanted the idea that this was all a dream, that none of it happened. Do we know what happened? Do we know how much of it was a dream? Do we know what, like, did the Triceratons ever show up? At what point was it no, like... You're asking all the right questions. Yeah, like, at what point does it start as a dream? Like, it's... Makes a lot of, uh... Volume 2 lift right out of the continuity mm-hmm. if they want it to. Yeah. And the, it allows them to keep as much as they want. And I, I dig that. Yeah. Like, it's... it <laughs> Stuff that, it, that subverts the attention away from anything that, that is not your normal, formulaic, cookie-cutter story. Uh-huh. I freaking dig it. Yes, yes. Because and- it's so much more interesting... The stuff that you don't see coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And and indie comics is a fantastic place for that to live. Oh, yeah. Because the, st- like, the stakes aren't that high. They don't mm-hmm. have to sell 15 million movie tickets. They just have to sell, you know, a couple hundred thousand copies of a comic book. Yeah. Uh, I really hope that this was the plan all along mm-hmm. to finish the story out that way. And then maybe continue volume two, you know, from there. But I doubt it. I, I think that when they found out this was going to be the last book, they found a way to wrap everything up mm-hmm. in a nice little bow that was real sloppy. Because the execution in this book is very sloppy. Yeah. But they only had 25 pages to finish a story they clearly weren't done with. Right. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's just glossed over. There's some character motivations that don't make sense. There's, uh, there's a Triceraton suicide mission that doesn't really make much sense. Mm. You know, like had this turned into like a full on Triceraton invasion, which we've seen before in other versions of the turtles, uh, that would have been cool. Yeah. That would have been real cool. Uh, but they were obviously weren't given the opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, as as I said, like probably the theme of volume two ends up being squandered potential. Yeah, I, I will I will echo that sentiment because there's a lot of really cool comic book stuff that you can only do in comics that you can only do in indie comics, mm-hmm. and they obviously did not care to follow where the turtles have been in the past. Yeah. You know, it was canceled. I don't know if that was because of, you know, sales or they were burnt out or they were just trying to get out of the publishing business or, uh, someone, uh, Eric Lawson offered a whole bunch of money for it and said, I would love to write it, take it off your hands and it would be exclusive to us. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure someone out there does know. Oh Yeah. And I would love to, you know, love to, to 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 just sit down with someone who's in the know and say, why, <laughs> why? Yeah. Like the, I, 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 you know, I tried. Re- we tried reaching out to Lawson to interview him, and uh, his his secretary or his administrative assistant was basically said that's that's not really something that he does anymore. Yeah, 
That's a shame. Yeah, because I want to know. Yeah. Uh, what? And then that concludes volume two. What, what are your thoughts? Like, you know, kind of as a whole. Again, there's some there's some squandered potential, like you said. You know, nobody's still hurt. Nobody's death <laughs> still really hurts. Um, and then just like. Or does it? Is he dead? We well, don't see, know. Well, see, that's, yeah. And, oh, God. See, now that you bring that point up. Yeah. Like, it's like the turtles really aren't doing much in this at all. Mm-hmm. Um, or are they? <laughs> we don't know. Um, but, you know, kind of as a whole, I, I this was a, a really enjoyable read. Um, just because I love, you know, the, the secret government organizations and the... You know the the mystery is like oh this dude's only there these people were being experimented on and they got superpowers and you know you know I I dig that I love that because mm-hmm. I'm a big big Stranger Things fan you know and of course you've got other mediums that have a lot of that stuff before Stranger Things happened um, but that's the most recent one I pull from yeah um, I mean just as a whole like you know it, it like you said it, it there there's some missed potential. Um, but it's still, you know, it's still enjoy- it's, it's still an enjoyable read. Yeah, yeah. And despite it not being written by Eastman and Laird, mm-hmm. it feels like a Mirage book. Yeah, still, you know? it's still very solid. Yeah, I wish this. I wish this one had run longer. I, I think I like this more than Volume Three. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard, see, I've heard mixed things about Three. Yeah, just because it's more, it's it's closer to home than Three is. Right, Three is weird in a completely different way and has a lot of non-Turtles uh, characters in it mm-hmm. and it kind of gets off topic a lot. Right. This one is very much in line with what you would expect out of a Mirage published book and it's what you expect from the Turtles. The Turtles barely, if you look back on their stories, they don't ever get any character development in the first two volumes. Yeah. They're always in other people's stories. Mm-hmm. So this feels exactly like it should feel, and I don't feel like we the, the, specifically volume two is the last of its era. Yeah, because if you look at volume three, that's a completely weird thing. Volume four is almost nothing but character development. Mm-hmm. I know you you haven't really read any of those, but mm-hmm. that was when P- it was just Peter Laird doing it, mm-hmm. and he was very much into. F- figuring out who these turtles are late in life. Mm-hmm. And that's what volume four is about. It's wonderful. I love volume four, which is not finished. It's still not finished. Yeah. yeah. But it, while it's, it is a continuation of the turtle story that we're familiar with mm-hmm. it. And it has the connective tissue. They're referring to city at war. They're referring to return to New York. The writing style is distinctly different, right? This like volume two's writing style is in line with the first volume, and it's familiar and it's the last of its kind. Mm-hmm. So it's very sad to see it go, but you know it's all got to come to an end at some point, right? Right, right. Uh, that does it for that. We got a couple more things to talk about, though. We do. Uh, all right, let's let's burn through Casey Jones North by Down East because uh, unlike volume two. I don't like this at all. Okay, issue one. It starts with Casey Jones uh, running to the turtle's lair and telling telling them a story. 
He's telling them a story about uh, when they were in Northampton, and uh, he was prowling the city dressed to kill, which means he was wearing all of his, you know, gear. He comes across a group of dudes stealing a tank of lobsters, which, first off, if that tank is as big as it is in that picture, they're not going to just carry it down a fire escape. No, they're not. That thing weighs probably what? Like like 800 pounds? Yeah, it, it would weigh more than what they can carry down a fire escape. Uh, so Casey, you know, attacks them. A couple hundred pounds. A f- I don't know, probably more than a couple. Yeah. Um, and he's busting their heads open, blah, 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 blah. And, of course, this entire thing is being told after the fact to the Ninja Turtles by uh, uh, Matchlight in their lair. Uh, after he, he defeats those guys, he's approached by these blue alien-looking dudes... Uh, they're, they're, they're kind of, they look a little reptilian, maybe? A little fishy. Almost. What are those, what's that race of beings that were in C- Captain Marvel? Skrulls? The Skrulls? Yeah, kind of like, like Skrulls. Yeah. Naturally, Casey immediately gets in a fight with them and just beats the crap out of every single one of them. Turns his back just long enough to watch a little bit of Dragnet and gets knocked out by a cinder block. <laughs> dumb da dum dum <laughs> He then wakes up being kidnapped by those blue guys and carried through a giant snell snell shell shell snell shell snell shell snail shell. Uh, and he claims to have stayed underwater for four minutes. Obviously, a tall tale. Mm-hmm. Uh, he frees himself from his captors while in the snell shell and floats to the top of the water. And gets stuck on it like a fishing line that was uh, carrying some crates that were trying to capture lobsters, which seemed to be the theme of the entire two books. Yeah, he's rescued by a corncob pipe smoking hot girl on a boat because that's a thing that that's a that's a Kevin Eastman thing. I I didn't expect that. Yeah, yeah. If Kevin Eastman wrote or animated a book. It had someone bodacious in it. Hey, now. That's not, a, that's not a bad thing. It is when it doesn't make sense to the story. I will give you that. <laughs> uh, yeah, like full-on bikini-clad, corncob-smoking babe. So, like, my assumption is, is that none of this actually happened. Yeah. Because it's... It's a tall tale. It's a tall tale that... Yeah. that Casey Jones is telling. Well, the 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 chick on the boat has the uh, she knows the backstory of these blue people and how they were initially crab people or lobster people, lobster. but they were cursed and turned into humanoid blue things that breathed air and to be morphed back into lobster people, they had to find the Royal Row, which is like the Keeper of the Curse or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very hard to read. It is, especially with all the backstory. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I, I had to reposition myself a few times on the couch because I kept falling asleep <laughs> while reading this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that was the end of book one. I mean, it was just a, just cuts off. Yeah. It almost feels like it should have been like a two-part 
special. And they were just like, yep, to be continued. Yeah. What'd you think of this so far? That's issue one of two. I mean, it was bonkers. You know, um, your, your typical, like, hey, maybe Casey's drunk. He's like, I'm going to go tell the turtles a story. <laughs> you, you, have you ever had a lobster before? This <laughs> one time I got swallowed by this snail anus and just found this, like, people fish. And, you know, I looked like Sylvester Stallone in the first part of this comic. They were, they were blue. They were blue. And, uh, I got you kidnapped guys, by the Blue Man Group. It's a really and, cool TV show named Dragnet. Yeah, I man, I'm dumb, dumb, dumb. And there's this hot lady in his bikini that thought, he's like, oh, hey, what you doing there? It sounds just like this. <laughs> in my head, I'm hearing that voice the whole time. Yeah. But she hot. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like he was almost dr- like Doctor Girlfriend from Venture Brothers. He was he was drunk the entire time, and she wasn't actually a hot girl. It was just an old corncob pipe smoking man or a sea hag. Yeah. Like you know, that's entirely possible. It's all a, just a fever dream. Yeah. Yeah. You know? He ate some bad shellfish. That's what this is. Yeah. Yeah. It, this is just food poisoning. Is is what this two issue series is. Yeah. Uh. I mean, it's it's interesting. Flip it. Okay, okay. You know. Saying I don't like it may be an overstatement. Mm-hmm. It's uh, superfluous. Like, yeah. why does this exist? You know, it's it's not interesting enough to really hold a candle to the other turtle stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's not un- It's not super unique to Casey Jones. Like, it's a sci-fi story. Casey Jones is not the sci-fi character. Right. But whatever. Let's let's go ahead and knock out issue two. <laughs> you okay? Ah, this book, uh, there's so much, so much happens in these two issues. It's it's impressive how much expo- exposition and story they crammed into two issues. I'll give them that. Yeah. So Bikini Lady and Casey are moving in on the blue people to defeat them. <laughs> Basically? <laughs> to defeat them and get Casey's mask back. Casey ends up taking a... the shell, or the... the what, what is it? The the claw of a, of a giant lobster and fashioning a new mask out of it? Yeah. Uh, he looks like if they had crossed a cone head with a swamp thing. Yeah, yeah. Kind of. And he also fashions new armor to wear. Like, like it's like it's real, real weird. And he just lays waste to a bunch of these blue dudes. Just drops... Uh, he let the bodies hit the floor. Yeah, yes, he did. Exactly yes, he did. He, did. He, he dropped some cannons on them. He chopped them up with an axe. Like, just, just ripping them in half. Like, they were just running away. He was basically a mass murderer. Basically. Trying to get his mask back. At some at some point during this giant battle, the curse of the Malacosta Castra was lifted, and all of the blue dudes turned back into giant lobsters. So there's that. Uh, dur- <laughs> that didn't stop Casey at all. He just kept swinging and st- kept killing. Uh, and he gets his mask back, tears off all this, this makeshift armor that he had, uh, and is making his escape. Only to find out that the entire structure that him and everyone were standing was standing on is a giant building-sized lobster. Now, 
I failed to mention this up front, but the lobsters are from Neptune, mm-hmm. the planet of Neptune, which, sure, why not? Why not? Why not? And this this giant lobster uh, knocks Casey over and causes giant waves of basically Armageddon coming. And obviously, the only way to defeat a giant building-sized lobster is with nuclear waste or just nuclear depth charge, which is that a th- I don't think it's a thing. You can't just drop a depth charge into the ocean that's nuclear and no. not expect it to blow up half of a continent. Right. Or or cause a a uh, tsunami that will destroy cities on both coasts. Massive ecological disaster. That too. Like come on, Casey. Yeah. <laughs> just run away. He blows it up, obviously, and then uh, wakes up in a fancy, on a fancy cruise ship, with a note from her, from Gabby. The oh, that was the bikini lady. Yeah. Now, Gabby, wasn't Gabby the name of his wife in City at War? I think so. We need to look that up. Gabby, Gabby. No, I think it was because I think it was Gabrielle. City at War, Mike. Yep, Gabrielle. So he wakes up to a note from Gabby basically saying, hey, we won, uh, blah, 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 blah. Let's get in the hot tub. Let's get in the hot tub to celebrate and blah, 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 blah. Casey's like, hey, yeah, that's a great idea. Let me cook this lobster real quick before we get in the hot tub. Gabby comes out, of course, wearing nothing but underwear uh, and smoking her corn cob pipe, realizes that he cooked the lobster Loses her mind. T- turns out the lobster was the only remaining, like, lobster from the Neptune species. Yeah. Was it Venus or was it Neptune? You know what? I don't care. <laughs> it's the only remaining one because, you know, th- like, this whole adventure was to ensure the th- their race continues on. And he just boiled it for dinner. She turns into a giant lobster lady and proceeds to attack uh, Casey. Uh, basically, tries to cut his head off with her claw. Uh, he remembers swinging blindly and then passes out. And that's it. Yeah. He, he never really finishes the story with the turtles. Leaves it at that. We're to assume he got out. Uh, the turtles are like, okay, well, whatever. I was like, okay, thanks, bro. That was kind of weird. That was weird. We were in the middle of stuff. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And what do the turtles find when they look for Casey? A sliced it clean in half corn cob pipe. Yeah. So this is a very over the top tale. And I feel like. This is going to sound very mean. A better writing team could have made this fantastic. Mm-hmm. I don't think the execution does it justice. It's odd, but it's still... Like, I still enjoyed it, but not as much as I did Volume 2. Yeah. Um, Just because I, you know, I kind of dig the weird stuff that, you know, comes out from Mirage. Oh, sorry. I, I very much dig the weird stuff that comes mm-hmm. out from Mirage. Um, and just weird stories in general, but not too freaking weird. Um, 
still in my head, that hot chick's like, hey, Casey, come on and get in the hot tub with me. I was like, this is the whole time. I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to do any of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and like her being a lobster person the entire time makes sense. Yeah, it, he just ate bad fish. I just, I don't know, man. And, and and maybe maybe there's the 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 thought process that makes you write this story. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the f- forum of a comic book is the right venue for it mm-hmm. because it's really hard to communicate the the uh, absurdity of it mm-hmm. via the page. Because right. there's a way to – if you read the story without thinking that it's a, an absurd fairy tale that he's telling, it just sounds real, real stupid. Yeah. You know? I feel like if this was like a, like a, a motion medium with, 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 uh, with a voiceover and, you know, voice tracks and even music cues mm-hmm. to tell you, hey, this is, this is a playful – fantastic romp that we're trying to tell i feel like it plays better with more context clues in it via the page is probably not the best way to experience this yeah this is probably one of the weirdest things i've ever read out of everything that we've been doing (laughs) (laughs) and we were we read some weird stuff yeah yeah um i wouldn't say it's the weirdest for me but it's the weirdest thing that's happened to Casey Jones. While drunk. <laughs> He's probably, he probably had some like bad gas station sushi with beer. Maybe. Expired beer. Maybe. You know, that's what it feels I'd like. I'd be more worried about the sushi than the beer. <laughs> I would be worried about gas station sushi too. Uh, yeah. I, it's better than a lot of the other Kevin Eastman stories. That we've read. Mm-hmm. It's not fully a Kevin Eastman story because it was technically written. Like the, the script was done by... I don't know why I closed that page. Rick Veitch. Mm-hmm. V-I-V-E-I-T-C-H. Veitch. 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 Uh, and I believe Rick Veitch is who did the... The river. Hmm. Do you remember the river? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me, let me double check that. Yes. The river is a three-issue storyline in Eastman and Laird's TMNT. It is written and illustrated by Rick Veitch, which means this is not owned by Viacom. That would explain why it's not in mm-hmm. the collected uh, issues. Yeah. Uh, he never signed over his rights to Eastman and Laird. Uh, unlike most of the other uh, independent creators that were uh, hired on to do individual issues in Volume 1, it's very likely he didn't sign this over either, considering he wrote the script. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's never never been reprinted, and it probably will, won't be reprinted anytime soon. Yeah. Uh, at least until Veitch decides he's okay with letting, go of, you know, letting the rights go. Because right now, no one's making money on them. Right. Not even him. Hmm. Get that money. <laughs> yeah uh it's it's a weird little nugget of of turtles history we don't have to spend any more time on it i'm glad yeah. we read it yeah and i'm glad we shoved it into this episode rather than having to deal with it later right right 
<laughs> uh, well, Jeff, that does it. That uh, that does it for everything that we wanted to talk about today. Yeah. Uh, is there anything you want to say before we we, we wrap up uh, this discussion? Well, I mean, you know, it for me, you already being exposed to these, mm-hmm. having you know, and me coming at you know at it from a different angle, never having read any of this stuff because, again, I didn't frequent my local local comic shop as much as I should have. And, you know, you had to go through the back issues to find this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I did start frequenting comic shops. Yeah. And often these weren't even in the comic shops because they're so independent. Yeah. Comic shops weren't ordering it. No. Um, you had to, well, you had a, 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 a select few people that would be, mm-hmm. oh, I got like five guys that order, order turtles or whatever. And you'd see maybe, you know, the newer stuff on the shelf. And by that time, I was like, oh, wait, I don't know where I am right now. What's going on <laughs> in the sense of, like, where's the story going, mm-hmm. you know? So I, didn't want to, I never wanted to jump right in. Um, I think I had ordered. I need to go look and check. I got a box at the house. And when I was on NinjaTurtles.com, just ordered. I'm like, hey, let me order all. <laughs> and it might be all of Volume 4, maybe. May, that that would be a good thing. Maybe. Those, those are uh, starting to be rather rare. Yeah, I'll have to go check. Um, but no, this it, it was enjoyable. You know, I I, I dug the uh, the sci-fi edge or the sci-fi element, as it were, um, uh, to this. And you know, I was I was I was entertained, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for for me, it was Jim Lawson further cementing his legacy mm-hmm. in the, in Turtles lore because that that man has. Probably drawn more turtles than Eastman and Laird combined. Oh, I'll give you that. Professionally. Like, yeah. whether it's commissions or all of Volume 2, all of City of War, all of Volume 4, select issues in Adventures. Mm-hmm. He's even done art for, for independent writers who wanted him to do turtle stories. So, yeah. like, he is. His. Turtle's legacy will live long, long, long after he he is gone. Yeah. Well, that does it for episode sixty-seven. J- Jeff, do you know what episode? What, what are we? What are we talking about next time? That's a very good question, Sergio. I have to defer to you since I don't ever really look at. <laughs> One of these days, you're going to get it right. You're going to be like, yeah. you're going to be like, Sergio. I know. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, assuming we don't change plans, I don't plan on changing plans. Next time we're watching uh, Nickelodeon season two, the Nickelodeon show, mm-hmm. so 2012 or whatever it is, uh, season two, part two. Mm. So we had a lot of watching ahead of us because we had to wrap that season up. Ooh, how many episodes we got? Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about that later. Okay. Uh, between now and then, where can we find you, Jeff? As always, Sergio, you can find me at the Warp Zone Arcade, Brandon, Mississippi's premier arcade. Uh, we specialize in games from the past and the present. Um, Neo Geo is one of our big staples. Uh, King of Fighters, uh, Metal Slug, Windjammers, you know, and everything in between. Uh, that was just Neo Geo, you know, SNK goodness. Uh, we do birthday parties, tournaments, um, and uh, and more. Also, some uh, restoration on the uh, classic. Co- cartridge consoles and I do some cleaning on the cartridge games as well uh, you can find us on Facebook at the uh, facebook.com backslash the Warp Zone Arcade um, 
And uh, where can we find you, Sergio? You can find me at Reality Breached. Uh, we are celebrating our 10th anniversary this month. Hey, now. Uh, we're going to get together and record a, a, a huge 10th anniversary episode and, and get a bunch of our contributors together in one room. Nice. Uh, and, and just talk about nothing. Like, I, there's no agenda. It's just going to be, let's hang. Because yeah. we've been doing this for a very long time. We've done a lot of great episodes. Mm-hmm. We have some announcements that are going to come out of that uh, episode specifically. So I'm really excited to get everyone in a room yeah. and uh, and knock it out. Yeah. Uh, other than that, we uh, we just posted uh, epi- our, the second part of episode 140. Mm-hmm. Episode 140 is a four-part episode that is being released throughout the year 2021 as I burn through 365 movies. Wow. Some of those are my suggestions, too. I am over halfway done with 365 movies. That's great. And we covered the second chunk of them Mm -hmm. in uh, part two of episode 140, and it's, it's... it's quite a conversation because yeah. it's it's very much here's a list of movies we don't go in depth on any of them because there's so many to talk about mm-hmm. um, but that's yeah that's this project that I'm working on this year is yeah. watching more movies than I can handle right and who joins you on this Jordan Hillhouse all right or colloquially known as Jordy like Jordy yeah Jordy's, Jordy's a cool movie guy Jordy's our movie guy uh, so check that out we're on all kinds of uh, platforms and actually. Uh, Jeff, until next time, I'm Sergio. And we did that wrong, and we're shellheads! <laughs>